Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by 12 by 12. Picture book authors need to be fairly prolific to be published. I've said this before. That's why members of 12 by 12 aim to write one picture book draft a month. Through an online forum, monthly webinars, a private Facebook group, and more, members enjoy the accountability, support, and motivation of a fantastic community of authors and illustrators. Registrations only open in January and February, so visit 12by12challenge.com slash membership for more information. That's the number 12x12challenge.com slash membership. How's your 2021 other than other than the boot? Oh, well, I mean, that's kind of got it started didn't it that's it oh no it's <laughs> like oh so this is 2021 okay oh. but um yeah i've had fun launching uh, legacy and now also um off to see the sea that's right um yeah yeah so yeah i've been busy with uh both books i both books it's it's been good This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 658. Welcome! I'm your host, Matthew Winner. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash matthewcwinner, or on PayPal at childrensbkpod if you want to support the show. Today, I'm joined by Nikki Grimes, longtime friend of the podcast and poet author of Legacy, Women Poets of the Harlem Renaissance. Nikki's new book showcases poems from the Harlem Renaissance written by black women, Each poem is then followed by a Golden Shovel poem written by Nikki in response to the original. The Golden Shovel poetic form, created by Terence Hayes and described to readers by Nikki, quote, calls poets to take a short poem in its entirety or a line from the poem called a striking line and then to create a new poem using the words from the original. I found many of these poems to be striking, if not transcendent. You'll find beautiful, modern responses to the work of Harlem Renaissance poets that affirm and resonate our connections and experiences over a century past. Readers will also see accompanying art by black female artists, many of whom have illustrated some of your favorite works for children today. All told, this is Nikki at her best, and I say as much to her in our conversation. So, let's get right to it. Please welcome my guest, Nikki Grimes, poet, author of Legacy, Women Poets of the Harlem Renaissance. Hi, 
Nikki Grimes. Um, she, her, that's it. Um, and I'm an author, a poet, specializing in books for children and young adults. I write everything from board books up to uh, young adult novels and uh, young adult adult uh, memoirs, much of it in verse. Um, poetry is, is my first language, my love language. It's where I go um, when I want to explore something that's deeply emotional, especially, or um, or just it's difficult. It's a great great form for uh, difficult topics because through symbolism and metaphor you can soften things and treat things delicately as necessary so um, I love poetry mm, I would agree I love poetry I love that I love the way you worded this poetry is your love language that's so wonderful yeah. and yeah. You know, this well I guess and um I guess your most recent picture book, but but I was going to say this book, Legacy, bears the the uh, Children's Literature Legacy Award sticker as well, which is really exciting to see that on on your books. Yeah, special one. Yeah, a Legacy Award on a Legacy book named Legacy kind of fits. I mean, it's just <laughs> kind of got a, a certain bit of music to it, doesn't it? I like it. Yeah. So, so we talked, we talked, we've talked a bunch on this show, but we, we, we talked uh, a couple years ago for one last word for, um, mm-hmm. your first poetry anthology of the Harlem Renaissance. And, and here we're talking about legacy women poets of the Harlem Renaissance. Did you have a second book in mind as you were making the first? Well, as a matter of fact, this was the book I originally had in mind. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, this this was the book I was after. Um, however, I was introducing a brand new form of poetry and also wanted to introduce um, women poets of whom people were unaware. And I realized that was going to be a very hard sell to get it in print. Yeah. Um, and so instead, I decided to come out with a collection that had a few women, but mostly um, had uh, male authors who were very well known, um, and pair that with a new poetry form, and that was a lot. Uh, yeah, it was it was a, a lot easier to sell that idea, and then when the book um, was so well received, it then made way for me to then go back and say, okay, here's what I'd like to do. And at that point, um, because it had such a great reception, the publisher was like, whatever you want. <laughs> like, yay. Nice. So now I get to do the book I really wanted to do in the first place. I, I love a recent reviewer talked about one last word as, um, how did she say? Um, well, she came across the idea that, you know, this, this was the legacy was the main meal. Like oh, one like last that. word was, yeah. It was like the appetizer. Um, I almost wanted to liken it. That was what she said. I wanted to she liken it to the. One last one was the appetizer and legacy was made me all the I mean, course. I, I would say in a similar note that one last word was the gentleman opening the door 
for the woman to walk through because what you do in legacy feels it really it really feels like okay readers you know this form you know what I'm talking about, what I'm going to do. Now let me show you what I can really do with this. It really feels mm-hmm. like you're spreading your wings. It's wonderful, wonderful work. Yeah. Did you have, Thank you. Uh, you You said that there were a lot of names in here in, in legacy that you knew that folks wouldn't be familiar with yet. Did you in your research process have a difficult time unearthing these poems or were some, were a lot of these names you knew about already? Some I'd known about, but there were many I, I hadn't known. And I, I I guess that there were more women out there if I would just start looking for them. Because, you know, I've read a lot of uh, Renaissance poetry over the years. And I, and I would periodically ask myself, but where are the women? Where are the women? And I'd come across, you know, um, well, there'd be just a few here and there that I'd come across, like Gwendolyn Bennett. And, uh, okay, I'm blanking out now, of course. But there were a few, um, Jesse Redmond Fawcett, I'd seen before. Um, I, I know there are more. You know, I know there are more than these three or four that I'm coming across. And so when I started looking, the surprise to me was that there were so many more than I mm. anticipated. I thought, you know, I'll find maybe 20, 30, you know, yeah, it was more like 60. I could not include all of the women I found wow. in this book. And that was a huge surprise for me. Another wonderful surprise was that several of these women had written um, poetry for children. Oh, wow. And um, I was completely unaware of that. Um, a couple of them were involved with, uh, I think, I think Epi We Knew Some started the children column for crisis magazine um someone else was involved in um a children's section in another magazine several of them had written poetry for the brownies book um which is sort of like a black highlights if you will magazine of of that era and i you know wasn't familiar with brownies book and so some of the some of this information i found uh, in, in academic collections, in some cases, they were um, unpublished uh, manuscripts. In other cases, there were there have been collections that were long out of print um, that I was able to get copies of. Um, you know, from from the library, I made very good use of my librarian friends, uh, <laughs> and they were able to help me find. Um, things on microfiche in other states that I was able to access through interlibrary loan. Um, so, you know, by the time I got to the end of it, I thought if I had more time to do more research, how much more would I find? Um, because as it was, I found just so much more than I could ever do anything with in a single book. But that was really exciting for me. That... And people who've read it yeah. since, who will also read a lot of Harlem Renaissance found in that collection in, in legacy um, poets they'd never heard of. That they'd never heard of. That's wonderful to keep these names, these voices alive in that way. How, when, when you're doing your research, are you sort of just collecting poems that, that connect to you in, in a way that you might want to write a response through Golden Shovel? Or what does your sort of selection or curation process look like? 
Well, there are a couple of things I'm looking for. Um, as I'm reading through, if there's a, a line or a series of lines that just capture my attention, I make note of that. I'm like, okay, I can do something with this. Um, in other cases, I have I have a specific intention. I knew, for instance, I wanted to write something about the environment. And so I was looking for lines that might open the door to that. And uh, and so there, you know, I found some lines in, I'm trying to think which one it was now. Um, and was it Angelina Grimke? In any case, I don't have that in front of me, sorry. Um, but there were, there was a line about the sun that led me into writing about the ozone, you know, it's thinking about the ozone layer layer. Oh yeah. And, and, um, and then, you know, leading to a poem, um, on that subject, I knew I wanted to write about what was going on at the border and yeah. I came across a line that sort of took me to that space and led me to write, you know, a piece about, um, children in cages. Um, and homelessness so, you write about you really hit on such beautiful social issues i i actually have um dog-eared that poem by angelina grimke uh, as well as your uh poem in response would you mind if i share those i know you said you don't have no, it in front please. of you I, don't, I would love to read um the poem um the source material is at the spring dawn by angelina weld grimke and it reads I watch the dawn come, watch the spring dawn come, and the red sun shouldered his way up through the gray, through the blue, through the lilac mists. The quiet of it, the goodness of it, the one bird awoke, sang word, a blur of moving black against the sun sang again, afar off. And I stretched my arms to the redness of the sun, stretched to my fingertips, and I laughed. Ah, it is good to be alive, good to love at the dawn, at the spring dawn. And your response, titled Faithful, goes... The punk, or I should say, actually, let me let me set up that you uh, are writing in the golden shovel format, which is to say that... Um, you take a, a, a featured line from the original uh, poem, and then you lay out each word of that line at the end of the phrases of your new poem. So in this case, the line, and the red sun shouldered his way up, is used throughout Faithful, which reads, The punctured ozone layer bleeds radiation, and we offer complaint without apology for the years of desecration earth has suffered red is no longer the color of jubilation but warning the sun will not allow wildfires to run rampant nature shouldered the brunt of man's mistreatment too long now it's his turn to pay even so it is the way of creation to be faithful notice each dawn the sun comes up yeah. That's beautiful, Nikki. Then I found I found um the other one, uh Jehovah's Gesture by Gertrude Arthenia McBrown. I'm not gonna read the whole poem. But the line that got to me was toward the end, a hurricane of soul. I thought, Oh my gosh. Ooh. What a powerful, powerful vision, uh, image that is. 
And so I took that and wrote Judgment. Caged innocence, we study the heavens for a lightning bolt of justice, a hurricane of grace toward parents whose sole sin is love of us and freedom. Our sin being labeled disposable soul. I would tell you that I earmarked that poem as well, or dog-eared that poem, but you would laugh knowing that I dog-eared like half of this book. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely did. I crossed my heart, I did. The Children's Book Podcast is supported by TeachingBooks.net, who strive to personalize each reader's connections to children's and young adult books. Discover thousands of resources that bring books and reading to life. Sign up for free today at TeachingBooks.net. in your process of finding these poems, of selecting the line, of responding, um, how often are you playing around with different lines or with different poems from the same line? Uh, I'm sure you have some poems that just sort of come out the way that nearly we see them on the page, but I wonder about those that don't, those you have to work for. What does that look like? But I have to work for all of them mm, because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm starting with a set of words um, that I've set in the right margin. And it's a mystery to me what line I'm going to come up with for each of those words. It's going to end in each of those words. And then whether or not it's going to be a wraparound to the next line or it's going to be a line standing on its own. Um, it's a really organic process. It feels very sculptural to me when I'm doing it. I think about um, the sculptor coming to a piece of wood and just um, chiseling away until the form inside is revealed. And that's really sort of the way I come at this poetry. So it's all sort of mysterious to me. And some comes a little more easily than others, but the process is is all sort of mysterious. <laughs> and I, you know, I'll try different things. The first time doesn't always work. I might, you know, retool the line uh, to get it exactly right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a bit of a puzzle. It is. But it, it's, uh, it's, it's one I like to work with, for sure. Do you? And reco- it's, it's, oh, it's a ahead. great way to stretch. It really stretches me. And I love that. I I think I've tried writing Golden Shovel just because of seeing you do it. You introduced me to that form and to play with not only hitting those beats at the end of each line, like you're saying, to break up or to end the phrase there, but then also to have to land on the final word of that line feels a lot like what I imagine a gymnast doing performing this routine on a bar and then Mm -hmm. landing on those feet to stick that landing there is just 
to know how do you yeah. wrap up your thoughts and end there is is a wonderful feat that you pull off. Nikki, do you recall when you first came across this golden shovel form and 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 what in it drew you to to experiment with it as well? Well, yeah, I was approached um, about contributing to a book of golden shovel poetry uh, honoring the work of Gwendolyn Brooks. And yeah. I was one of the poets asked to, uh, to offer a piece. And, um, and this form, the golden shovel form, was created by poet Terrence Hayes specifically for this collection. And so, um, so I was one of the people who learned about this form first because I was writing for this anthology, which you should get, by the way. It's absolutely stupendous. Can you remind me, what um, is it called again? It's called the Golden Shovel Anthology. The Golden Shovel Anthology. Easy. Uh, it's, yeah, it, I'm getting it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and so what was I saying? So you were asked about yeah, and yeah. so I yeah, so I, and each of us was asked to pick our favorite poem, you know, our favorite Gwendolyn Brooks poem, and choose a striking line, and then write a poem about it. And uh, and I did that, and I found the process absolutely exhilarating. <laughs> and when I was done, I was like, "What else can I do this with?" Immediately, <laughs> like figure out what projects I could apply this idea to. Um, and at the time I was working on it, I was also reading a lot of Harlem Renaissance poetry, uh, specifically about the women. Um, I was just doing this on my own. I wasn't doing it for a book. I was just doing it out of self-interest. And, uh, and this sort of aligned with it. So I thought, ooh, wouldn't it be great to do a collection about um, about poets, uh, women poets of the Harlem Renaissance, using this form? Because that was so how great. I originally got onto it. That's so great! You were invited onto an anthology of a completely invented form to honor Gwendolyn Brooks and ended up lighting you, lighting a fire in you to keep writing in that. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was off and running. Off and running. And in these books, in One Last Word, as well as Legacy, you've got these phenomenal works of art by various artists. In this case, uh, all women artists. Um, mm-hmm. so many that, that I was, was the most fun list to put together. <laughs> did you I was just going to ask if you made it or not? <laughs> oh no, of course oh, you yeah. did. No, no, no. I put the, I, I, I like gave my editor a wish list oh. of poets. Oh yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I knew who I wanted to do the cover. I knew who I wanted inside. I just gave her the whole, the whole list. Um, and I think three, two or three people, uh, declined for whatever reason. Um, and I decided actually in the end that was an okay thing because then I learned about three new poets, three new artists oh. that I hadn't been familiar with. 
Um, so it worked out just great. <laughs> that is fantastic. Your 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 artist list reads like a who's who. You've got you know Pat yeah. Cummings and Vanessa Brantley Newton and Elizabeth Zunon, and you've got Aqua Holmes and Kesha Morris. There's so many words like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all yeah. What I and love. Nina Cruz. And, oh, I mean, Nina it was just we could go so and name every fun. single one. Yes. <laughs> So fun. I love that, that each artist has such a distinct voice as well uh, to Mm -hmm. leaf through and just see these pieces. I mean, this is, I probably said this about one last word as well, but they're, they're, they're beautiful posters. They feel like they belong framed or hung up in a library wall. They just look beautiful. They're so wonderful. Did, did the art, come i assume because of the way they're linked but did the art come after the poems or the the yes 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 uh each artist was uh invited to choose the poem that spoke to them okay okay so obviously the you know was a first come first serve thing but um but i like it that done that way because then you get the best result yeah what's speaking to you really bringing their passion to to the project um, then they're going to do their very best work um, ah, because it speaks to them. That's cool. And and so they did. <laughs> and so they did. No doubt they did. Yeah. yeah. I uh, Have you ever done any uh, Golden Shovel poetry with students? I assume you probably have. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Elementary, middle school, and high school. And I found um, students really jump on it they they really? love it is it how, how because, do you find in it part for them? because you know they they love when they have they they're not starting with a blank page i think that is oh, the thing true. that that in, entices them they've got something to play with and they are off and running you're you're dumping out the puzzle pieces onto the table and saying here's here's the pieces you you find the poem there as opposed to just staring at the blank slate you're right that is that is right. It's it, that reminds me in that way of doing like blackout poetry, where you've got there's a poem mm-hmm. in this page. You have to find it. Is the challenge, yeah. and you're all gonna find different things from the same. I love that, but also in this case, it calls on them too to respond to poetry, to connect with and respond to a line for whatever reason their muse is responding to it. That that feels exhilarating. Mm-hmm. It is. It is, aye, it is aye. wonderful, and and teachers do send me um, poetry that that students have done, <laughs> oh. and that they did, have done themselves as well. And yeah, it's some just wonderful work that uh, comes out as a result. The other thing that, that I love about this form is that it has so many different applications. You can do this with poetry, obviously, but you can also do this with a lyric, or you could take a line from your favorite speech or a line that you read in a newspaper. Yeah. You know, it's just whatever sort of hits you. You can take that group of words and, and go to town. I love, too, that you show through this book the way that you can talk through time, whether it's that you, you child, are responding to a song you heard on the on whatever show you were watching or whatever thing you were streaming or if you're mm-hmm. talking about someone from history, or in this case, you know, um, jumping decades to make a connection from 
how in in one case someone was responding to the environment to how you are responding now to the environment or to mm -hmm. raising a child or whatever it just it it I, I love I know you know this about me but I love connections I get so excited making connections to things and to people and to others and that you are inviting yeah. someone to say wherever this is coming from connect to it and respond in yeah. your way is very exhilarating I almost wondered, Nikki, what it would be like to have, not to go too far, but to to chain together golden shovel poems in a class. What would it be like to start from here and then you take this poem that I wrote and find a line and then the next person takes a line from yours and finds a line just to almost play a, a, a wild you know, game of, of telephone or something, but in a way that is just, we are all inspiring one another. We don't just pull from, from something that, you know, I don't know, someone of, of perhaps notoriety has done, but that you yourself have notoriety too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. I, I can, I can definitely see that because some of the poetry that's sent to me, golden shovel poetry is based on my golden shovel poems. Uh, where so cool. the, the, yeah, where the student has taken a line from one of those poems and then written their own. So they're continuing yeah, the chain. They're doing it. On that ad nauseum. I love that. Oh well, Nikki, I love that you are inviting kids to play with you as you play. That's so great, and I love what you've done here. I hope that. I mean, I don't know what else is to come with you. But you said the door was wide open for legacy to happen. So I can't wait to see what else <laughs> happens after this. <laughs> well, before we go. Oh, yeah. I was like, before we go, I would love to give you a chance too, to, to share a little bit about Off to See the Sea with Elizabeth Zunon. Uh, it was yeah. so great to talk to you uh, before about that. Why don't you share a little bit about what, what, what happens in this book? Oh, Off to See the Sea is a bed is a bath time book, and it's the second in the series I had in mind. Um, about I wanted to just do a series of of books from for early childhood that focused on universal themes that have nothing to do with race, but that center black characters. Um, I want to get beyond the single story, and so this is part of that idea. Uh, so it's a it's a happy home. It's a two parent family. Um, these are stories that are absolutely laced with joy, and we definitely want to see more, you know, black joy on the page. Um, so all those things were sort of in mind. So bedtime for sweet creatures was the first book in the series, and off to see the sea is the second. And of course, bath time rituals are universal, um, <laughs> and the whole idea of the bath. Bath time, uh, bathtub as a place for sea adventures or water adventures, you know, that's as old as as possible. <laughs> that's right. You know, children taking their boats into the tub oh, and, yeah. you know, the rubber ducky and the whole thing. So that imagery is already there. Well, I just kind of took it and went crazy with it. And <laughs> and in 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 my imagery, and then Elizabeth Zunian, this amazing artist, comes in. And she takes it even further. So she goes, you know, so she has like the ocean on the tile floor, you know, and and we have the waterfall coming out the faucet and she just 
has made this, you know, grand image of of this waterfall and uh, and of the child diving under the water, you know, in search of treasure. And she just takes you completely into the ocean and you forget you're even in a bathroom, you know, or in a bathtub. Um, I, I love it. I think one of the favorite images in, in that book for me is um, the, the one, there's a page of bubbles where you see the child's face, uh, the image of, of the child's face in each of the bubbles. And she has, yeah. you know, many different sizes and shapes. And, but you see the smile, the smiling face of this child in this like, cascade of bubbles. I'm like, I just felt so much joy <laughs> looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, it, just, it just made me so happy. <laughs> this is Elizabeth. I, I, I feel like this is meant as the greatest compliment. I'm sure it'll hopefully come across that way too. But I constantly just feel like in any of her books, but especially yours here with her, that Elizabeth is just sort of flexing what she can do to delight and amaze children and just be like, oh, I can play too. Let me show you what I can bring yes. to this. It's She's such a good partner for you in these books. They're so great. She's perfect. She's mm. perfect. I can mm-hmm. imagine doing these with anybody else. So, um, so we have two more. Um, the third one is uh, in process now. Oh, wonderful. Um, and that one is that one's going to be about playtime. They're coming out about once so, a year. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's what it's going to be. Yeah, because uh, bedtime came out in January last year. So yeah, cool. That's so great. Well, yeah, I'm so excited for so fun. more fun imaginative adventures with Elizabeth. That's very great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I want to wrap up the show today the way I do every time. And I know I've asked you this question a number of times and uh, I keep continuing to give your message to whatever children I'm around. So, Nikki Grimes, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I or we can bring to them from you? Yes, this is a little longer than usual, but think of the library as a salad bar offering many different kinds of foods to try. Now think about books as the food. Maybe your favorite thing to eat is a fairy tale or a mystery or a graphic novel or a biography or a book of poetry. We all have our favorites, right? But every now and then, I want you to try something different. You'll be surprised at how tasty and wonderful another kind of book can be and you might even end up with a brand new favorite you'll never know unless you give it a try well thank you nikki grimes for joining me again on the show and for all of the wonderful insight and beautiful poetry you shared with our readers As I've been doing throughout the month, and I'll continue to do moving forward, I've been inviting some of my picture book author friends to come on and read the end credits and also say a little bit about the books they are bringing into the world. I hope those of you listening continue to help bringing good books in front of children. I am always happy to support. All right, friends, take it away. This is Megan Hoyt. 
author of Bartoli's Bicycle, the story of 1938 Tour de France winner Gino Bartoli, whose greatest achievement was something he never told a soul, that he secretly worked with the Italian resistance to save hundreds of Jewish men, women, and children from certain death, using the one thing no authority would question, his bicycle. You can learn more about Bartoli's Bicycle by visiting www.meganhoyt.net. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 650 episodes at matthewcwinner.com. Our theme music is by Pottington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. Want to help out the show? Become a Patreon at patreon.com slash matthewcwinner. And your support and contributions will directly support and impact his work here. And always, writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.